if you open your Bibles with me to the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we know wherever we go, whatever we do, you are with those who you have called unto yourself. And Father, as we come to your word tonight, we want to give thanks because we know that this is your word unto us. And Father, with this in mind, we want to ask that I, you would help us to hear your truth. But we don't only want to be hearers of the word, Lord. We want to be those who are enabled by your grace to live in life the truth that we hear. And Father, we want to repent of every time that we have ignored your word. We know it's the most precious thing that unto man. We have the opportunity by your amazing grace to hear it proclaim unto us every week, week after week, Lord, without fear for our lives of fear of our safety. And we want to lift up all those in the world that doesn't, does not have this privilege. And Father, that leaves us with a tremendous responsibility. Lord, we know to whom much is given, much will be required. And we have been given much freedom to hear your word. So Father, we pray that you would help us that your word would be rooted deeply in our hearts, Father, and that we would go forward to live in obedience to, that, to, to what we've heard. And we know we can do this not on our own strength, Father, but only by the help of your spirit. And that's what we ask now, that your spirit would help us by your grace. Amen. So we're going to read from the second chapter of Habakkuk, and we're just going to read the first three verses of the book. So please follow along with me if you have your Bibles open with you. I will stand upon my watch and sit upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved and the lord answered me and said write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it for the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the, at the end it shall speak not lie though it tarry wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, I don't know how long ago it is that you've read through the book of Isaiah. But I think the book of Isaiah, perhaps in a most significant way, encapsulates the conditions and the reality that this prophet faced during his time. And in the second chapter of Isaiah, 
as God speaks out the rebuke against his people for the evils and wickedness that he saw among them. We have a little passage that focuses upon the condition of Jerusalem. And the Lord speaks there and he says, Because Jerusalem has fallen and Judah has fallen. So this idea, fallen from grace, is a way that the Bible communicates the fallen nature and tendency of man to turn away from the eternal God who provided salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a situation where you've fallen. Not talking about falling from grace, but physically falling off something. You know, I remember when I just joined the army, when I went through basic training, I've always been a fairly large guy. Um, when I was in basic training, I was a little bit fitter than I am now. But I still weighed on average a bit more than the average British squaddy. And I can remember we went on an exercise. And while we were on this exercise, there was a patrol that we had to do. And as we went through this patrol, we came to a little ravine about nine foot deep. And over this ravine that was about six, seven foot wide, there was a plank. And not a big plank. It looked pretty flimsy to me. And as the soldiers one by one started making their way across this plank, I knew eventually it was going to be my turn. And I looked at that plank and I considered how it bent when all the other little guys went across it. And I thought, this is not going to end well for me. And as I came to the plank, I said to the corporal, corporal, I don't think it's going to bear my weight. And he just said, declare, get over it. And at that moment, I stepped out in faith. I would say it was blind faith or blind faith or ill-informed faith, but actually I knew it was going to collapse. And as I walked about halfway through it, this plank just gave way and I ended up laying on my back in the bottom of this ravine. Thankfully, I fell on the backpack, so I didn't get injured. But I can still remember today that feeling of falling through the air and just helplessness. And I think it's very fitting that when people turn from Christ, it is described as falling. Because it is falling from a place of security into a place where you could now one day face eternal condemnation. And it's not as though somebody has been saved and they've then fallen away, but actually the falling indicates that they've never really come to the Lord. And we come to this passage in the second, second chapter of Habakkuk, facing a statement that the prophet makes where he says he's standing. And when we think of standing, we think of somebody standing on a solid foundation, standing upon a firm foundation. But just in case you weren't here for the first sermon on the series, I'll just remind you a little bit of what's happening here. Remember that the prophet Habakkuk is one of those individuals that we don't know much about. All that we know about him is what's contained in this little book that we have here. But one thing that is clear is in the initial verses is that he is in turmoil of soul over the condition of his nation, his people. He is crying out to the Lord for them. In verse 2 he says, O Lord, how long shall I? And thou will not hear. He's concerned about the condition of the people. And he wants to bring their sinful state before a holy God. He wants God 
to deal with the sin that is prevalent in his nation. But his desire was then answered by the Lord, and it was answered in such a significant way that the Lord said in verse 5, I will do a work. I will comply with your concern or your request, and I will show you that I will do a work in your day that no one will believe even if they were told it. That was going to be the significant reality of what God was going to do. And we know from the previous message that God in the prophecy, in, in, in answering the prophet's lament, demonstrated that he was going to read up, raise up the Chaldeans, that wicked people, the Babylonians, who had devoured up every other nation to come and deal with the sin of his people. And this led to the prophet to another conundrum, because now he wasn't just concerned about the sin of his own nation, but he was furthermore concerned about the reality that God was going to use a people that was even more wicked than the Jews for, for whom he prayed and lamented over to come and execute God's justice and wrath upon his people. And so yet the prophet had another difficulty. He struggled to consider how God could use a people in his own words that were so much more unrighteous than the Jews that they almost made the, the, the people of Judea look like righteous people in comparisons. And this was the struggle that he dealt with in chapter 1. And we finished chapter 1 about midway through his prayer. And as we're entering chapter 2 here, we are entering the final words of Habakkuk's prayer. And I'll remind you that uh, the prophet in verses 12 through to 14 directed his mind upon the eternal reality of who his God is. That his God was the everlasting God. That his God was high and mighty, the Holy One of Israel. That God was the one who could not look upon impurity. His eyes were too pure to behold sin. He was good, everlasting, and he was the sustainer of all of those who has faith in, in the Lord God. And this was the reality that the prophet reminded himself of as he engaged with this turmoil that he faced. He realized as he looked around the world and he saw difficulties and challenges, and as he saw things going from bad to worse, he had one thing that he could do, and that was to turn his eye upon his God. You know, I wonder sometimes, what do we do in this life when things go wrong? Isn't it? We're living in a time where you see, if you're on any social media and you're in groups with other believers, you'll see people putting stuff on there about the end times and about vaccines and about trusting this or doing that. So many different things, so many different turmoils that we face today. But where do you look when these difficulties come across your way? I hope that you are like the prophet, that you will, instead of looking at the scenarios and situations around you, that you would be an individual who turn your gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in doing so, you will be like the prophet who now progresses in this prayer, in his prayer to this point 
where he now acknowledged that he will stand. He will take a stand. I wonder if you remember a couple of months ago, Pastor Derek preached, and he preached on a sermon on, on Exodus chapter 14. And in that, in that chapter, we found, we found the Israelites having just been rescued out of slavery, brought to the edge of the Red Sea, and suddenly they were confronted with the whole army of the Egyptians. In their own mind, they thought everything was lost. But yet, at that moment, even though they were stuck in turmoil, God provided even more grace. Because instead of just expecting that they would look to Him, He actually called out to them, and Moses said unto the people of God, it says in verse 13, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now reminded, Pastor Derek explained very, very clearly to us how sometimes there's a time where Christians need to stand and take a stock of the situation and see what God will do. And this is very much where the prophet finds himself. He's ready to stand to take a stand and to look to his God. But remind now of what he said in, verse, in verses 12 to 13. I quoted a few of those things, but let me quickly read that for you again of, of chapter 1. The prophet said this. He, he, he questions himself and he said this to God. Are thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on iniquity. Wherefore lookst thou upon them that deals treacherously, and holds thy tongue when the wicked devour the man that is more righteous than he? So in the midst of that struggle, the prophet focused on the truths that he knew about God. Now, wonder what you will stand on in the, in the difficulties that you may go, from, go through. Are you standing on, well, I think this will work out, or I think if I just do this in this situation, it will work out? Or are you an individual who, like this prophet, will look to God and say, I don't know how things are going to turn out. I don't know whether the virus total is going to go up tomorrow or going to go down or what the government is going to decide. But one thing I do know is that God never, changing, never changes. He is the eternal holy God who is mighty above all, and I will look to Him. I hope truly as Christians that is the emphasis of our heart, that what we will look to God in every situation. You know, standing on truth, standing on the truth of God's word, God has given us his whole word so that we may have certain truths. I think often, often people will say, well, you know, how do I know God is speaking to me? How do I know I've heard from God? Brothers and sisters, this is where we hear from God. When we read the word of God, we hear his word to us. It's the only certain place we can hear from God. You know, whether you hear voices or whether you dream dreams or see visions, all of those things to some extent will leave you at a place where you're going to wonder, 
Was that from God? But my dear brothers and sisters, when we come to the word of God, we deal with certainty. When you read the Bible and you say, thus says the Lord, then you can know it's true in light of its context and reality. And you can stand upon that. And we see that this is exactly what the prophet did. He stood on the truths that he knew concerning his God. And he was firm. He didn't side with anything else. He didn't side with opinions or concerns or maybe hopefully. No, he stood on certainty. You know, one of the, on, 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 Every morning before breakfast, just after breakfast, Santa does a devotion with our children. We, we do evening devotions, but in the morning she takes a little devotional book that we go through. And something really struck me a couple of weeks ago when we went through this book. It was talking, talking about lying. And he said something that really struck me. He said, whenever, whenever a person lies you're deciding to side with the father of lies rather than, decide, than standing with the God of truth. You know, and that really struck me, isn't it? Because even if you say a small little lie, you're deciding to side with the father of lies, where we worship the God of truth, the God of certainty. And it's these certainties that kept the prophet firm in the midst of tremendous difficulty. He didn't waver. And one of the further truths that he focused on that I didn't labor on last time, I just want to mention it to you, is that he said here in verse 12, he said, O Lord, my God. See, the prophet recognized that above everything else, the Lord God was his God. You know, think of the preciousness of that for. Regardless what you're facing today, or what you're going through, you have this certain reality if you've put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins, that God, the God of the Bible, is your God. He is for you and not against you. And He is the one that will sustain you through any difficulty. You know, Pastor Derek is also taking us at the moment through, through Song of Solomon. So I don't want to labor on this, but it's tremendous how he's taught us that Song of Solomon is an analogy rather than an allegory or just a mere love story that's presented to us in the Bible. And one of these fundamental truths that we have from the book of Solomon comes from chapter 4. And in chapter 4, it's, 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 it's the analogy of the Lord speaking here to his bride, the church. And he says this in verse 9, Thou hast ravished my heart my sister, my spouse, thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one of the chain of thy neck. Think about what he's saying there. It's basically, the passage is saying, Jesus Christ, our Lord of glory, saying when his people just glances at him, it stirs his heart. It moves the heart of Jesus Christ when we come to Him in prayer, when we turn our gaze upon Him, upon the eternal God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ is stirred. You know, do we need any more motivation to go to Christ in prayer? Can you imagine this, that you and I have the ability to stir 
the heart of the eternal God who spoke all things into creation and maintained everything by the power of His might. He is our God. Because He's adopted us into His family, we now belong to Him and He belongs to us. And so the prophet stood on all these truths that he illustrated, but above all, he recognized this tremendous truth that God was his God. Do you recognize that today, brothers and sisters? Do you recognize that the God of the Bible is your God? Is that a reality for you every moment of the day? Does that take up the volume of your mind as you consider your struggles Every day, as you consider, consider the things that has been laid before you, do you focus on the fact that you are a child of the living God? And we don't say this presumptuously. We say this because the word of God declares it. And if that's a reality, then also it should be a reality that we live in communion with him. And that's the point the prophet is making. He's standing on the truth of God. But look what he says further in that verse. It doesn't just say he's standing. He says he's standing upon my watch. Think about this. He's taking responsibility, isn't it? It's not somebody else's watch. It's not, I'm not talking about a watch on your arm. It's the, the point where God has brought you to take a stand for him in this world. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's your and my responsibility. You know, I sometimes, I, I, felt, I felt really convicted last, last Saturday. I, I put on our WhatsApp group, I said, uh, who, who, who else, is, is there anybody going out to the street work in Oxford on that day? I was a bit tired and uh, I was, to tell you the truth, hoping nobody else was going to say yes because then I had to commit. But I, it was my watch. I should have committed. I should have said, I'm going out to Oxford to do street work. Is anyone else coming? But because I thought nobody else was coming, I decided to, to raise the question and therefore do away with my guilt. It is our watch. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. What are you going to do with that responsibility that God has put before him? The prophet was going to stand and he was going to stand upon his watch. And he was going to say, and, and, and he said this next thing, he says, and set me upon the tower. But just, I think the important thing that we need to remember is we when, we, when we take the responsibility that God has given us, we should be very cautious not to get distracted. Isn't it? There's so many so many things that can distract us. I think a good illustration is if we go to uh, Psalm, Psalm 73. And Psalm 73, uh, it's a psalm, of ark, uh, a psalm of asps. And what, what's happening here is the psalmist is getting caught up with what is going around him. He's looking at the wicked and evil people that he sees everywhere. And he sees that there is tremendous prospering among them. It says in verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. So even though we would expect that the psalmist would be one of those people who would stand firmly upon the truth of God's word, he is professing here, he's confessing that his feet almost slipped. 
Why? For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was consumed with what he saw as prosperity among the wicked. And as he considered and thought about this, he got to the point where he said, therefore his people, they turn hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out upon them. And they say, how did God know? And is there knowledge in the modes high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. So now it progresses from just the psalmist having this concern to those around him having a similar concern. You see how easily wrong perceptions of God can affect those around us. But by God's grace, we lead to verse 16 where the psalmist then said, when I, th- when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Couldn't deal with it. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood the end. So finally, by God's grace, the psalmist himself was led from his distraction back to truth into the sanctuary of his God. And there he gained understanding and got to what we have in verse 18 where he says, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. So the wicked ones who are seeming to prosper are the ones that are in the slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. It says later on, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by thy right hand. It says that famous verses in verses 25 and 26, we acknowledge, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength, the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The reality is that we need to be prayerful that God will always lead us back to his truth so that we might have a firm place to stand on like the psalmist had when he started to doubt when he was distracted. But how does the, does the Habakkuk, the prophet, keep himself from being distracted? He does so by what God is doing from him. It's not something he does himself, but it's something that happens through the grace of God. And it says there, and set me upon the tower. Now there's two ways that people have interpreted that verse in the past. This idea of being set upon the tower can in one way refer to being set upon the truth of God's word. And we can kind of see that. We can see how that will relate to the situation. But I think a more accurate way to look at this is that the tower is the mind of the individual that is being set upon God. It's the tower is the mind that is effectively being turned towards Christ. And uh, you, remember, you remember perhaps Paul uh, in, in Romans 12. <clears throat> Excuse me, in Romans 12, Paul said this. He said, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that, what, what is that, is, that is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. You know, when Paul says there, 
be not conformed to this world. We know what that means, isn't it? He said, don't look to the world and do the things that the world do. Don't look to your friends and see, well, they do this, and so I could do that. That's exactly what happened with the psalmist. He looked to the world and he was enticed by what he thought was prosperity on their behalf. And we know the whole book, deal, the whole book of Job deals with that scenario where people think good things happen because we are worshiping God in the right way, ultimately leading to the prosperity gospel. No, God says there's a purpose for everything under the sun. And Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we know we are, our minds are renewed in Scripture. As we come to the Word of God, our mind is stayed upon Jesus Christ. Our mind is redirected to behold and see our Savior who has redeemed us. And so the prophet is standing, he's taking up his watch, and he's being set upon the truth of God's word so that he may be enabled to focus on Christ and to disregard that which he sees in the world. Not ignore what is going in the world, but not allow, allowing the world to be an influence in your life. That is the idea that is being presented here, that our minds may be stayed upon Christ. And look what, it, look what it says now. I will stand upon my watch and sit upon the tower, and I will watch and see what he will say unto me. Watch and see what he will say. You know, brothers and sisters, we have the full revelation of God's will here before us. How much time do you take a day to watch and see what the Lord will say unto you? What voices are you listening to you in your life? You know, everything we do impacts us. Everyone we associate with, everything we watch in some ways has an influence upon, upon us. Would you say that with all the other influences that are pushing in unto your life, that at the very least, your time in the Word of God, your time in prayer balances that? Now, brothers and sisters, we're not talking about legalism. We're not talking about, oh, you have to read your Bible for two hours a day to be considered a Christian. No, but which voices are you listening to? The prophet has his mind turned to, to God, and as a result of that, as he's focusing on God, he gets to the point where he says, I will now watch and wait and see what he will say to me. And the way you and I watch and see what God will say to us today is by spending time with God in prayer and in the reading of his word. So again, I'll ask the question, what voices are you listening to? You know, in, in Galatians, Chapter 1, Paul speaks of, he's engaging with the Galatian church who have, he said, they've so quickly been bewitched, they've so quickly been turned from the truth that God has revealed to them. And in 
his engagement with them, he brings them to this point where he tries to share with them, with them the reality of how he came to know the truth and, and, and reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of after man, for I neither received it of any man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have, you have heard of my conversions in the time past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of of God and wasted it. This was the man Paul. He did a desire to destroy everything that pointed to Christ. And he said, and they profited, I profited in the Jewish religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me into his grace to reveal his son in me, that I may, might preach him among the heathens, Immediately I confronted not with the flesh, uh, not with flesh and blood, neither did I went up to Jerusalem to them which are apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and he remained there for three years as he considered the truth and reality of God's word in light of what has been revealed to him. You see, Paul's desire was to hear from God. What is our desire? Who do we want to hear from? And the reality is, brothers and sisters, I think as Christians, we will all sit here and say, I want to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. But how do we see that reality on a day-to-day basis? Do we see that in our commitments to our fellowship? Do we see that in our commitment to the Word of God? Or are we those who run from one brother to the next brother saying, listen, I need help with this. Can you tell me how this works? Can you tell me how that works? When God's word has given all the truth and reality to us, are we spending our time seeking to hear from God? Or are we spending our time seeking to hear from man? And God has blessed us. God has blessed us with fellowship and, 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 and counselors and confidence in other brothers and sisters in Christ. But nothing replaces the word of God. And this is the reality that the prophet stood on. He stood upon the truth of God's word. His mind was stayed upon Christ. And he was willing to watch and see what God would say. Are you willing to watch and see what God would say in your life? Then maybe it's time that we display that by coming to Him in His Word and desiring to hear from Him ourselves. And it says there in verse 2, He says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that He may run that readeth it. And this is the final point I want to consider what the prophet is presenting to us here. He's saying that the word of God is plain. We don't need an expert to tell us every day what the word is saying. The way of salvation is clear in the Bible. And each and every one who can read can find that for themselves. Brothers and sisters, it has been made plain. And the, 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 the image that is being presented here 
is one of, in, in those days, the prophets, uh, the, uh, the Jewish, Jewish historians refer to this, they would have often written something on a, on a, a, a wooden board with wax on, and it would be written in very large letters so that when somebody passed by or run by, they can see it and take it in. And that's what the prophet is saying the word of God is, because God is saying to him, write it and make it plain so that he that runs can see it. The second point is also that you may run once you've seen it. Run to share the truth of this gospel with whoever and wherever you can, because it's plain. It's the only way for men to come to the eternal God through the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross by dying for you and me so that our sins may be placed in placed upon him and we may be forgiven and stand in his righteousness. And that's really what the prophet is pointing to in the final verse that we considered this evening when he says, for this vision is yet for an appointed time. We need to remember that there is an appointment, appointed time. You know, one of the hymns we sang earlier tonight had a, a couple of verses in about the fact that death is pursuing each and every one of us. None of us know when it may come. None of us know what tomorrow may hold. That's why, brothers and sisters, I can say to you today that if you're here and you do not know the Lord, that today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the opportunity that you may repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ and place your hope upon Him. I can say that to you with confidence, but I can't promise that for you for tomorrow because I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know if you or I have tomorrow at all. So let us recognize that there is an appointed, appointed time. And we know the Lord is not slow to fulfill His purposes, as some would count slowness. But He's patient, enduring the evil of this age so that more may come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I hope and trust that by God's grace, each of us will be able to stand on the truth of His word. That each of us will be able to have our minds focused upon Jesus Christ and the purpose of Him sending His gospel into this world so that men and women throughout this nation and every nation of the face of this earth may come to Christ for salvation because He is our only hope. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the eternal creator God who sustains us, who upholds us, and who provides everything that we need for salvation, Father. Thank you that you provided us your dear Son, that you sent him into the world to live the perfect life so that each and every one who would put their hope and trust in Him could have their sins paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, the magnitude of that sacrifice is something that none of us will ever fully comprehend. Lord, 
We pray that you would help us. We pray that you would ingrain the truth and reality of that sacrifice upon our hearts that we may love our fellow man the way Christ has loved us. Father, that by your grace that we may plug them from the eternal reality of hell, Father. Give us grace, Lord, that we may have our minds focused upon your Son. Lord, we are so easily distracted. We're so easily led astray by the trifles of this world, Father. I pray, Lord, that we might have our minds renewed, our minds fastened upon Jesus Christ, that we may be his servants. Lord, help us all that's coming under the, the, the truth of your word tonight. Help us all to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And help us to be spent for the only thing that will last into eternity. All of those things that have been done for Christ. Everything will be burnt up, Lord. Please help us not to have our minds focused upon the prosperity of, 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 of the wicked. Help our minds focus on the eternity, eternal reality and promises that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ who has redeemed us from our sin. In his name we pray.